Let's turn to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, page 1007 in the Blue Bible. We'll read just the first three verses. Hear God's holy word. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Amen. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. You may be seated. Well, we come to this, uh, this well-beloved uh, chapter of scripture here, Hebrews 11, a well-known uh, passage uh, which gives us uh, this long list of examples of God's people, really the faith of God's people uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, this chapter has been called uh, different things. It's been called the Hall of Faith. It's been called the Roll Call of Faith. But it's really not just meant to be a long list of examples for us to imitate. It, it is that in a very real sense, but... Uh, the writer uh, has a specific purpose in mind. He wants us to be encouraged by this uh, series of examples of people who lived by faith. He wants us to follow in their footsteps. But again, this is a, a chapter that has a very clear and specific purpose in the, in the context of this book of Hebrews. It's not just faith in general that is uh, a being extolled here, a principle of faith in general that we're to live by. No, he is continuing to stress the need for faith that is in Jesus Christ alone as our Savior. Again, these readers of the letter were very tempted, being tempted uh, to depart from Christ, to turn from their profession of faith in Jesus Christ, to turn away from the church and to go back to their old ways in unbelieving Judaism. And so the real point of this chapter, and of course of the whole book of Hebrews, again, is to challenge the reader to challenge those early Christians uh, and Christians of every age to hold fast by faith in Christ. Hold fast to him by faith. Christ alone. Faith alone in Christ alone. That is how we are saved. He is the only Messiah. The Old Testament's promised Messiah. The one that God's people of old were looking forward to. Their faith was fixed on him. The whole point of the Old Covenant was not to uh, instill in God's people and point them to some kind of general faith in God. It was all pointing to Christ and to his coming and to the saving work that he would accomplish. So the writer's saying, listen folks, some of you are being tempted. You're thinking that it um, that, that, that it's legitimate for you to just go back to the old covenant way of doing things, go back to Moses, go back to the law and to the ceremonies. 
But the reality is, your forefathers in the Old Covenant were living by faith too. They were looking forward in faith to the same Savior that you have now had preached to you and that you have professed to believe in, the same Christ that they looked forward to with longing, you now possess by faith. All their hopes were set on him. And so why would you now want to go back to waiting for the one who's already come? That's absurd. It's insane. There's no going back like that. Only going forward by faith in the Savior who has come. Hebrews 11 does deal um, with the matter uh, of faith, though, and it uh, gives us in these opening verses, a, a short definition of what faith is. It gives us a little description of it and how it works. If we are to have eternal life, this is the way that we have it. This is the only way. It will be by faith, faith alone. At the end of chapter 10, the writer's prepared us for what he's going to say here in these opening verses. He said there at the end, you have need of endurance so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. The writer continues, says, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Again, the writer's saying, people hang in there by faith in the Savior. God has moved his redemptive plan forward. He sent his Son to accomplish all that he promised. He sent him to fulfill the law, and he did that by living under the law and by dying under it, under its penalty by dying for us and for our sins. Now, what we need to do is press on and live by faith in Him. Live by faith in the Savior as we await His coming. We await His return. So He's preparing us for this long list of uh, these wonderful saints of old, and He's going to tell us to emulate them and their lives of faith so that we can enjoy the salvation that they actually also possessed by faith. They saw Christ as, from afar, as it were, as they believed God's promises of the Messiah, and they looked forward to his coming, and they trusted in him. And then as we come to chapter 11 here, he begins with this, this short definition of faith. We are to persevere and living by faith it will help to have a basic idea of what faith is. And so the writer tells us in verse 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's a great verse to memorize. It's not an exhaustive uh, definition. It's not the um, Louis Burkhoff's systematic theology definition of faith, uh, or catechism question definition, where it tries to 
bring in every element and show us and unpack what faith in Christ is, but this is a beautiful, uh, concise definition of the nature of true faith, saving faith in Christ. And we can see here already from these few words that faith is something very different from sight. Faith is here contrasted with sight. Uh, just as we saw that in the other passage we read earlier from Second Corinthians. We see things with our eyes. We sense things with our physical senses. The things that we, we have around us, things that we can handle and touch and, and uh, uh, feel. With our eyes in particular, we see the things that we already have. But here, faith is contrasted with sight or with physically possessing something. Faith is in operation when things are still hoped for, he says. Things that are not yet fully possessed. There's also a, a future aspect. We see it there uh, to faith. There's this sense that we're going to possess it, but we don't have it yet. And so we live by faith, looking forward to that day that we will possess it. We believe that we, we have something already, but we don't possess it fully. That's the nature of saving faith in Christ. Paul spoke that way in Romans 8. He spoke of hope in that way. Hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. It's exactly how it is with saving faith in Christ. Faith takes hold of unseen things, unseen spiritual realities things that we don't have yet, things that we don't fully possess yet. Heaven, eternal life, our eternal inheritance in Christ. We don't have those things fully in hand yet. We're not enjoying the fullness of our salvation yet, but we trust that we will have it all one day soon. And our faith is, is based on something. It's well-grounded. It's rooted. It's built upon the foundation of God's Word, the promises of God in His Word. And the author uses the word assurance here. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Greek word here is hypostasis. It's a word that can have different meanings. Uh, you'll see that sometimes in different translations and where the same word occurs in different passages. Um, it does have different different meanings, different shades of meaning, and for that reason, it's, it's translated differently in the King James. Most translations, the modern translations, I think, get it right, um, and they make it very clear. The ESV does, NASB as well. Even the NIV is, uh, is pretty good on this. Um, ESV uses the word assurance. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. NASB is the same. The NIV uses the word confidence. Confidence. It's really the same idea. I like assurance better, though. The commentator David McWilliams explains it this way. He says, assurance is connected to things hoped for because the idea of this, this Greek word is related to... Um, 
substance or property that belonged to or was inherited by a person, and yet that property is not possessed yet by the heir. But there's an assurance, that person, the heir, has the assurance that it soon will all be his. He soon will possess it. It's already owned by that person. He just doesn't have full possession of it yet. This sort of thing happens in our day, of course, as well. You may inherit something, but you don't have it until a certain time comes. For that reason, some New Testament scholars have suggested translating this word in a rather choppy way, but I think it gets at the, the meaning. They, they like the term title deed, this word. Faith is the title deed of things hoped for. I, I don't think I would use that if I was the editor of any translation, but that's the idea here. You're the heir, the property is already yours, 100%. You hold the papers. Your name is on them. The title deed is yours. But you have to wait a little while longer until that day when you're able to take full possession of it. But in the meantime, you have assurance. You have assurance that your hope will be fulfilled soon enough. That seems to be exactly what the writer's saying here about faith. He's telling his readers, hold fast to that assurance that you will soon possess your eternal inheritance fully. You will have it. It's already yours. You have it in part. You have it now by faith. Heaven is yours. Eternal life is yours in Christ. But for now, you need to wait for the fullness of those things. You need to wait for those unseen realities. You wait by faith. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, which we read earlier, we walk by faith, not by sight. What do you mean? Faith is knowing, believing that those heavenly realities are ours. They're guaranteed to us. They rightfully belong to us. Not because of anything in us, but altogether by God's grace and because of what Christ has done for us. Faith sees that. It perceives it. It believes it. And it rests assured these things by rest in the object of our faith, Christ. Perfect, finished work on our... John Calvin writes of how the Holy Spirit uh, has to work this supernatural gift of faith in each of us. He has to do that. He has to make faith a reality in our lives, uh, or we won't have it. We don't have this as an innate ability uh, to believe in God or believe in Christ. The Spirit is given to us, and He makes real the things that we can't see with our eyes and touch with our hands. Calvin writes, the Spirit of God shows us those hidden things, the knowledge of which cannot reach our senses. We are told of the resurrection of the blessed, speaking about our resurrection in the future. But in the meantime, now, we're involved in corruption. We're going through corruption of our mortal bodies. We're declared by God's word to be righteous, 
And yet sin still dwells within us. We hear that we are blessed. But in the meantime, we're overwhelmed by untold miseries. We're promised an abundance of good things, but we're often hungry and thirsty. God proclaims that he will come to us and help us, but at times he seems to be deaf to our cry. What would happen to us if we did not rely on our hope and if our minds did not emerge above the world out of the midst of darkness through the shining word of God and by his Holy Spirit. Faith is therefore called the substance of things which are still hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Calvin's expressing the very same thing. The eyes of faith, we look forward to the glories to come, the realities that are already ours. In the meantime, we just have to live by faith in those things and rest assured, God guarding them for us in heaven. So the writer of Hebrews is pointing his, his readers to hold fast to Christ by faith, looking forward with assurance to those blessings that are to come in the future. No, we need to think this way. The writer was calling his early church readers to think that way. We need to think that way today as well. When we are so tempted and tried and experiencing all kinds of trials and may even experience persecutions for Christ, may experience those a great deal more in the future. This outlook will strengthen our hearts. It will give us the courage that we need to persevere under these trials. Remember that, believer. You have the title deed already. The title deed to heaven and to eternal life. An eternal, safe, secure, loving relationship with God in Christ. It is certain we have nothing but a glorious and happy future to look forward to because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Be encouraged by that, even though you don't see the fullness of it yet. You don't possess it all yet. Let it fill you with confidence to live for Christ with hope, and with joy, and with thanksgiving, no matter what may come. And it is a reality, though, that our faith runs into obstacles in this life. Faith is confidence in unseen things that are not yet present to us. We're believing in things that are not yet manifest. That's a hard thing. Things that are invisible, and yet we accept them as true. And we do that based on God's Word. Think of uh, Noah as an example of this. Noah faced... Uh, a mountain of uh, a challenge when he began to build the ark. He believed God when he said there would be a flood. And that's all the evidence he had to go on. He really had no evidence at all that there would be a flood except for God. That was faith. And the people around Noah in the world had no such faith. They looked to what was seen. They did not believe. They mocked Noah in unbelief. They saw the world going on just as it always had and saw no reason to think anything else would happen in the future. They didn't believe that a flood was coming. See how that went for them. They were focused on and believing only in 
tangible things, visible things, the things that were seen, the things that could be experienced, things that they could touch and handle. And they rejected the sure word of God, and they all perished as a result. But those who live were saved by faith. And the writer's saying that those who put their faith in God and in his word, and not in this world, those are the people that God accepts and saves. Verse 2, he says, For by faith the people of old received their commendation. The rest of chapter 11 is going to flesh that out more. We'll see that the only thing they really had that separated them from the people of the world, the only thing uh, they had to commend them to God, uh, if you will, was their faith. Even that's not anything they could boast of because it doesn't originate with us. But faith was what distinguished them all. It wasn't their strength. It wasn't their uh, status in the world. It certainly wasn't their wealth uh, or their good works. It wasn't that they were so much better than the people around them. They were people who lived by faith. The world admires people for all those other things, status, wealth, power. God could care less about any of that. God's people, most of them, are not like that. They're not people of repute, people of power and nobility, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians. They're mostly nobodies and nothings in the world's eyes, but they have God. And that is what distinguishes God's. And that is really all that counts if we want God's favor and his approval, and his salvation. We must be those who live by faith in God, and in his word, and in particular, in his son, in his perfect, finished, saving work. Whatever you're going through in this life, live by faith. Take your mind and your eyes off those things that are seen, and put your faith and your hope in God. You know, the things that are seen, the things we experience, they can just overwhelm us and take our eyes right off God. Get our eyes on those things and we'll be in despair before we know it. Keep your eyes fixed on God and keep your hope and your faith in him like the psalmist in Psalm 42, uh, preaching to himself, says, hope in God. He says to his own soul, Hope in God, for I will yet praise him. How we need to live. We need to be exhorting ourselves that way to keep our faith and hope in God. Keep praising him and keep thanking him even now for the hope that we have, for the reality that is coming when our Savior comes again. You hold the title deed already, believer, to those unseen realities, to the glory of eternity to God as your Father and the lover of your soul. You are His and He is yours. Heaven is yours. Christ is yours and all things in Him. And soon He will come to make all things right and to bring you into your full eternal inheritance. That is reality, even though we don't see it. The things that are seen passing away. They're not going to last. The things that we hold by faith will soon be manifested fully, visibly, gloriously. They will last forever. A little short on time, and verse 3 deserves more attention than we have time for. So, Lord willing, we'll come back to that uh, 
uh, verse next time. But as we close, I just want to leave you with this one thought. Again, as Calvin said, faith is something the Spirit of God has to create in us. It's not something any of us are inherently capable of. It's something that has to be granted to us from above. It's part of the gift of new life that God gives to us. The Spirit has to work it in us. And then he has to sustain that faith and strengthen it all our days. Even the disciples who lived with Jesus for three years had to ask him, Lord, increase our faith. So important for us to understand this. None of us has it in us to believe in the true God and to trust in Jesus Christ. The faith that saves us, it has to be granted from above. It's just like everything. It's just like the obedience that God requires of us to his commandments. None of us can keep those commandments. We begin to make a, make a new beginning of obedience when the Spirit comes into our lives and the life of God is, is given to us and we have that new power and new, uh, new desires to please him. It's only by his enabling grace. Or think of the matter of forgiving people who've sinned against you. That's come up in recent Sunday school classes. That's, that's, just, that's just like uh, obedience to God's commands. You can't do it apart from God giving you enabling grace to forgive those who've sinned against you. We just can't do any of these things apart from God's grace changing us and enabling us. And so it is with this faith that saves us, this faith that we need to continue persevering. We are not capable of it in and of ourselves. So I urge you to recognize that and look away from yourself, look away from your own resources. Ask God to grant you this gift of faith and then keep asking him to strengthen, to sustain your faith in him all your day, your faith in his son. We are completely dependent creatures. We are truly dependent on God for everything. And certainly for this. So depend on him. Ask him for it. He will, deny, he will not deny faith to those who seek it. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Seek the Lord for that faith that saves, and the faith that you and I need to persevere in, faith in God's Son.